Here's Wes. And this is Ryan. And this is the Nintendo Show, the best damn Nintendo podcast on the internet. This is going to be the Retro Show. So what we do usually do on these shows is we peer back in time 21 years. So we are going to talk about things that happened in the month of March 2002. And you guys, what a time to be alive. Absolutely. All right. Damn it. Uh, we got a few games to talk about. We probably won't spend too much time on the games here because there's nothing super amazing to to discuss. Um, but there are a bunch of uh, albums, music albums. There's a bunch of movies. Okay. So we're going to have a look. Uh, it's going to be a long show. Might end up being uh, divided into two. We'll see how this goes. But Ryan, you got any like uh, uh, contemporary events? Worth like historical events. Where, where were you a day in the life of uh, March 23rd, 2002? Yeah, a couple things. A couple cool. things happened. Um, probably the biggest thing like circulating across the airwaves was probably that... Uh, Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears broke up. Mm, she sure. apparently saw the feature film Crossroads and saw her kiss another man, and he said, I can't handle this anymore. Um, oh, all right. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they separated for whatever reason. Um, I didn't even know she was in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we talked about that movie. Did, well, did we, 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 none of us watched it. But. No, no. I think, yeah, Crossroads. I Britney Spears in it. Imagine that. You make, you make a feature film, and the next month your boyfriend breaks up with you. Mm. Like, Quite a ride she's on. Right so now. It's, it's it's weird that um, I didn't know it happened in March of 2002, but just the other day, me and Des were discussing the the event of this breakup, and she knew more about it than I did because I wasn't really following Britney Spears in March of 2002. I wasn't really, sure. you know, uh, a, a person marketed toward my particular tastes. But this uh, th- this was kind of the beginning of the sort of downward turn and like the public perception of her. I think. Uh, from what Des was saying, Timberlake was accusing her of some sort of uh, infidelity or like being unstable in some sort of way. And then, um, not too long after this, she'll start. Uh, she'll she'll date and marry Kevin Federline, have a kid or two with him, and and really start to buckle under the the massively unfair public scrutiny that she will be under. Yeah. And it's not like, and, and she'll still have like successful albums and stuff that come out after this, and huge tours. Like none of that's stopping. It's going to take another uh, five or six years, I'm guessing, from where we are now for this to really uh, ferment and you know become this this whole uh, very public breakdown that the media reveled in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'll very, turn very like, shamefully. It, but, it, it'll know. turn her image from like. Know, kind of risque, but overall wholesome into like this image of a train wreck of a person. Yeah, and again, it's one that's entirely uh, the result of the media obsessing yeah. it's, over it's, her. It's not, manufactured. Not, not letting her fucking have, have anything in mm-hmm. her life to make her happy. It'd be a human being. Right, yeah. I mean, so she's like, you know, just, just like the whole Kevin Federline thing, he became a punchline. Mm-hmm. You know, in the same way, totally not the same, but like Oprah has Stedman, you know, like Stedman's not like that's the perception that Stedman is not good enough for Oprah even though Stedman makes her happy she's happy with him like why why do we care Mm. why should anyone care if it it doesn't have to be the world's most famous man ends up being with the world's most famous woman or at least America's most famous woman at the time Mm -hmm. you know I don't know this doesn't need to be a defense of Britney Spears it's just that is an event that occurred Um, a few other events more on the lighter note uh, the TV show The Osbournes airs on MTV uh, this is a show that's going to run for four seasons. It's a slice-of-life reality TV show. Uh, kind of, not not ahead of its time, because there's going to be a number of shows that really come out around this time. Uh, but it was a huge, huge hit. If I remember correctly, the highest viewership of any show they've had on MTV, oh, for an original MTV series, hmm. was The Osbournes. Um, did you guys watch it? I mean, what do you, what do you guys think of Ozzy Osbourne himself? Like, do you guys Absolutely nothing. Do you know much about him? Do you like? I know, I know a bit about him. I no I, real opinion, really. I yeah. probably know like two of his songs, even like I, I mean, did nothing. Crazy, yeah. crazy train. Yeah, crazy train. Crazy train is fucking for real. Yeah, it's a good song. That is Tremendous song. Yeah. But like, I, I think time like, with Black Sabbath about uh, Black Sabbath. I think like the the what I know about Ozzy Osbourne is more of like the urban legend kind of stuff. Like, oh yeah, he's so crazy. He bit the head off a bat on snorting ants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, that's why that one's weird. I mean, he, he, he was doing a lot of cocaine, obviously, <laughs> um, in his life, and that was one of the things he did as a joke is that he, there was like a trail of ants on the ground, and he snorted a a, a line of ants, um, just kind of on on a whim, on a lark, having <laughs> having fun. What a kooky guy, palling around with his bros. He's so no, quirky. <laughs> 
So I long time listener of the show, <laughs> friend of the show, Ozzy Osbourne. As a fan of heavy metal, obviously I worship Black Sabbath. They are fucking fantastic. They're amazing, and um, yeah, he, he's actually a really fantastic vocalist. Uh, kind of uh, instantly recognizable, and I think it's he. He one is a good singer, and two has such a distinct voice that I think he showcases that not sounding good is sometimes not interesting. Sounding not good can be interesting. It's just funny because you listen to a song like Crazy Train, you like you see the way he speaks on his reality TV show. Like it's that's guy, that's the guy, that's yeah. the same guy. Well, I, I two two things. One, I think he's playing it up a bit, mm. and uh, two, he's much older. Like this is a guy that's that's been making albums since the '60s. So, you know, he's no even at this point, he's no spring chicken. He just now officially retired from touring too, which is kind of insane. Mm. Holy cow! Um, that he's had such longevity as a musician, in spite of. You know how hard he, of a life he lived, um, and yeah. Um, so his his wife Sharon is a very big part, not just of the show, but of, of his life too. She was, um, as I understand, like a touring manager for him, kind of maintains the money for him. He gets to be the product, and she gets to be the saleswoman, essentially. Um, you know, they have two kids, Jack and Kelly, who both end up actually having little mini careers spin off because of the show, in spite of them, neither of them being particularly talented. Um, Ouch! Yeah, they're, they're charismatic, though. <laughs> you would not, you would not have the Real Housewives. You would not have Keeping Up with the Kardashians, uh, if not for this show. Uh, Bam Margera even had a series that spun off, kind of because oh, of this right. format. Jeez. Um, yeah, and oh, another interesting thing. If I went back and watched an episode just for the hell of it, it not particularly noteworthy to say anything about the episode itself. Um, but they have a daughter that refused to be involved in the production of the show. Their oldest daughter did not want anything to do with it. Hmm. So you will frequently, in the background, see a woman being blurred out. It's her. She's just there. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And again, I had no idea she existed. There's no... Yeah, you, you wouldn't. There, there's no animosity in the family over it or anything like that. She just chose not to be a part of it. She's like, hard pass. We're good. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you'll constantly see Kelly and Jack there, you know, because they wanted to be involved in this because they knew they could, you know, become semi-celebrities out of this. And sure enough, they did. Like... As I recall, Kelly Osbourne actually like made an album or something. And well, well done, Jack. It sounded and your like dog exploded. Just like, yeah, <laughs> Sherlock was on the Kelly R. Osbourne album. Yeah, he was a little upset there that I'm taking a dig. That's all I got to say about that. Another TV series made its debut, uh, The Bachelor. Believe it or not, The Bachelor. Oh, the Halcyon days for reality TV. Yeah, another very noteworthy one came out. Still on. Uh, yeah, 27 seasons later. Not the same guy, Wes. No. I was about to say, he needs to just give up. <laughs> so, I thought this was interesting because I just looked it up. I don't really give a shit about The Bachelor. I couldn't tell you anyone from any one season of The Bachelor or Bachelorette or whatever. There's that one pretty looking... Dude, find some great looking dude. That hey, got you know away what? From me. You are allowed, that got away from me. You are allowed to find a man objectively attractive. It's, it's okay. Fine. We're not going to judge. It's you one handsome man with a bunch of beautiful women. It's the same shit every time. How Who many? Cares? Then trivia time. How many relationships from the twenty-seven seasons of The Bachelor are still going right now? Zero. One. Oh, Wes, you're supposed to guess. Oh, God. <laughs> to, oh, do you dare guess what season, how many seasons it 15. took It took for anyone to actually get married and genuinely love each other? Or 15. at least. Wes, you're going 15? I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say 17. 17. Oh, that was close. Seven, after 17 seasons, a couple finally got married and stayed married. There was one marriage that occurred prior to this that was, um, they, they divorced like two years later. Stayed married so far, or is one of them dead? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? The one that stayed together. No, they're they're still they're still okay. currently together and have a couple of kids, and it seems like the things worked out for them. If right, you did, still going. like, if you just took, say that you like, we all just picked fifty four men and women we knew that were straight, and we were like, we're gonna pair them up. We would do better than a show which pays you five hundred thousand dollars to stay married. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. <laughs> we should, it'll be like where we're combining all twenty-seven seasons of The Bachelor into one like thirty-minute episode. This is this you, is, you, 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 you. This encapsulates, encapsulates everything you think about how false reality TV shows are. Mm. That there was literally a financial reward for being married to somebody because of the show. 
and people couldn't do it. That's how <laughs> fake these relationships are. Like this, this show was ha- and is continues to be so successful that there are like parody shows that kind of spin off of it. Like there was the one that I think it was uh, Fox did that was uh, I think it was called Joe Millionaire, where it was like set up like you get to like. Uh, like, oh, uh, they find uh, out at the end he's not really rich. Or something. Right, right. He's he's just like some blue collar worker guy. Like, and that's like the reveal at the end. And now that like he has picked you, uh, that he picked like some woman. I, I have no idea how it turned out. Like, he picked the woman. He's like, okay, now the big reveal at the end is like, okay, you've chosen to have a relationship together. By the way, he's not rich. He oh, wow. actually he owes about fifty thousand dollars in debt. <laughs> Do you still want to be together? And that was like the sensationalized. He's also wanted for murder. We've been waiting for this show to get done. <laughs> Wes is a better show. That's amazing. <laughs> well, money isn't everything, but I mean, just simply having a partner that can provide you financial security sure stabilizes a relationship. Mm. There's no reason for a woman to be like, no, I need to reassess you. If, if everything you said about you is a lie. Or what then, else is a lie? Right. You know, I mean. I mean, it's true. Like, like financial hardships are a legit reasons why marriages and relationships experience stress. Yeah. It's, it's a totally valid complaint or concern for someone to have to find out that everything that you believed about this person in terms of just like can they keep the lights on at their house right like you you spend like uh what do you 30 days or however long they spend together doing things like like fucking horseback riding and going on like hikes and taking trips and stuff and like you think that's how a relationship is going to be like well what is this relationship going to be if we're not going to be we enjoy doing these things together. What do we enjoy doing together that you can just make off of, you know, an hourly wage? Yeah. Also, I bring up that, that there was a parody series. Is it Burning Love? Did you guys ever watch that one? No. no I don't watch any of them. <laughs> it's got a bunch of the cast members from, um, like, Wet Hot American Summer. I'll get out of here. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they, uh, again, are, are doing essentially this fake show where all of the women are psychopaths. And the, it's called Burning Love because he's a firefighter or something, and he's the hunky dude that mm, all of the women want. Oh, it's it's uh, it's great. Kind of, you know. I don't know. That's beside the point. Well, we can move on. We don't have to talk that about this. Be so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple other events. <laughs> there was um, real brief aside here. The, the directors of Everything Everywhere at Once. Yeah. Uh, put out this this recommendation of like ten movies you should definitely watch. Oh, is that one of them? And Wet Hot American Summer is one of them. And all the other nine movies. Yes. They're, they they listed a, a bunch of really good movies. Yeah. All of the other nine movies, they also like gave like a little blurb like. Like a paragraph or a couple sentences of why you should watch this. And Wet Hot American Summer is like, no, just watch that. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't say anything. So good. (laughs) I mean, it's the kind of movie that you really shouldn't lead it. You you don't need any setup for it. Just watch it. Just go in blind and see if you enjoy (laughs) it. We recommend it. The Daniels recommend it. Go watch it. All right. We did the fun things. I I feel compelled to kind of bring up two sad things. Yeah, that's good. Um, There was a woman named Andrea Yates uh, from Houston, Texas, who infamously... um, drowned her five children uh this was one of just the truly haunting moments of the year there will be a couple but this was certainly one of the worst uh very tragic event and you may be wondering like what was the circumstances that led to this woman to just do this did she snap did she have some kind of psycho you know psychological break and no she was essentially experiencing postpartum depression and psychosis um you know just the difficulty of childbirth and uh it's kind of psychologically damaged her she was in a. Um, she was also not like poor or anything. Her her husband, believe it or not, worked for NASA, and that's why they're in Houston. He worked for NASA. Uh, it was a, his engineer, so he, they made very good money. Um, but he was also very uh, strict conservative uh, Christian, practicing a kind of a sort of a type of Baptist faith. Um, like, how old were the kids though? Uh, one was like. I think the oldest was like six. And keep in mind, so she got five kids, and the oldest one's six. She's basically been nonstop Gosh. having children mm-hmm. because this is what her husband believes she should do. That they entered this agreement in marriage that she was supposed to have as many children as God would allow. Uh, so obviously, she was not in a good state of mind. Uh, she he kind of forced this life on her. And at the same time, uh, there was a specific Baptist preacher that was giving her all of this messaging about good and evil, and that um, if you are evil and succumb to sin, it doesn't matter how old you are, you will go to hell. And uh, she took this message to mean that if she were to just kill her children, this is literally the 
the mind of a psychologically broken woman, but she believed that if she killed her children, she would save them from damnation. That they would grow old, succumb to, you know, like that idea of original sin, I guess, or whatever, and then be damned to hell, as she would be. So, this is why she did it. Uh, she was sentenced to, obviously sentenced to life in prison, um, avoided the death penalty, and um, she's still alive. She's still in jail, and every year, you know, she has now been in jail long enough that she is due for a psychological reevaluation to determine if she's free to go, and she declines it every year and has so. So hmm. she knows she's, uh, she, I'm sure, feels horrible about this event and knows she's just not fit to be in society and that, you know, this has uh, broken her as a woman. It was so sad. I listened to a number of... Um, like podcasts and breakdowns about what happened with her life and um every one of them was just so tragic and it's not this you, you know with a lot of these like you know uh, mass murderers and serial killers they always want there to be some kind of like hook some like uh you know uh was a patrick bateman kind of guy who's just crazy or something and you kind of revel in it and you just see how uh just uh, a lot of times they're just psychologically damaged people mm. And the only other one, I'll just bring it up, a guy named Jerry Taylor, 60 years old, uh, was shot and killed in Tucson, Arizona, while golfing at a driving range. This is now the second murder associated with the DC sniper event. That again, we are in March of 2002, is not going to truly, the pot will not boil over until September and October. Did you have any information about what he was shot with? Was he... A victim of a sniper attack, or was he... It's the same, yeah. A, a drive-by. It's the same thing that they've been doing. They've been driving around in this car with a hole bored into the back of the trunk. Mm. So, one person is driving it, the other person is in the trunk of the car. It allows them to pull up, quickly shoot somebody, and drive off. So, uh, the death toll for this is going to be like 17 people, and this is this is number two on the list and we're in March. These guys are basically on a cross-country journey. If you'll remember, the first death was a woman in... Washington, was it? Uh, yeah. Uh, Tacoma, Tacoma, Washington, as I recall. Mm. And again, the D.C. sniper. They're going to go all the way around the country. There's a 4,000-mile journey of just... Carnage. Uh, carnage, yeah, essentially. So, that takes care of the actual events occurring in the year 2002. That's what's happening in the world. Ugh. Let's talk about some video games on the note of a mass murderer. We could have, we could have ended with the Osbournes. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. So uh, we're not going to spend a tremendous amount of time on any of these games. There are a lot of releases. Yep. There are a lot of games that came out. I don't have a whole lot to say anything about them. Uh, first up on... We'll start the GameCube. On the GameCube, we got Gauntlet Dark Legacy. came out on March 5th of we 2002. We <laughs> Not since the incident, we don't. No. But ordered. this was actually the version of the game that I played. I actually used to own this one. I'm not sure what happened to my copy this of This was an N64 game as well, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, there was an N64 version. It originally released in arcades in 1999. Got a yeah, port no. to the uh, N64, got a version on the PS2. The GameCube, in some enthusiast circles, is kind of considered like the, the definitive version of this game. Uh, because it is technically superior, of course, to the N64 and slightly to the PS2 version because the GameCube is a slightly more powerful tech. Um, and it does have the four controller parts, which you don't get on the PS2. You need to buy a multi-tap. So you can actually have some four-player gauntlet going. Like in typical gauntlet games, you have your different character classes and they'll you know, perform different uh, functions. They have plus and minuses in the statistical arenas, uh, like magic strength, speed, and armor. I like to play as the Jester because this is a, a speedy character um, and just threw bombs everywhere, which was fun. I don't know that I ever played too much of this game in multiplayer, which might be why I don't have a copy anymore. I might have traded it in because mm -hmm. this is like a game where you definitely want to be playing in multiplayer as much as possible. That's the fun of it. They're like these, these yes. almost top-down dungeon crawlers where you're just engaging in tons of enemies. You know, like, a, like, like a really simplistic reduced version of uh diablo yeah i um i actually got this for the n64 yeah a couple of years back when we were talking about it then for the retro show and like i just remember it being so uh relentlessly spawning minions that as a as a one player game it was just if you could do it it felt really unenjoyable to do it mm. <laughs> it really does feel like the kind of game that needs 
you know, like if you're playing a beat em up brawler and there are just too many bad guys on the screen all at once, it's just like, all right, this is chaos. I can't handle this. Sure, yeah, there, there are certain genres of game like this, or like beat em ups, where they're optimized to be played with mm-hmm. other people. Now, this isn't related to 2000 and whatever that we're in. Two. Uh, 2002. But uh, you're going to play the beta tomorrow for Diablo 4? Oh, there's a free open beta tomorrow. That's really cool. Until... No, 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 I'm not going to. Um, well, it's all weekend. That's 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 fine. I mean, I'm not. Um, You're not a beta person. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I will not rush out to play Diablo Four either. Mm-hmm. Like, I still, I haven't even got back into Diablo Three yet. And have you heard about the new season that they have for it? Like, no. it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. Like they, this, they're going out with a bang. Like Diablo Three is. They're they absolutely unloaded all this crazy shit that they've just sort of been like, it would break the game's balance if we did this. They're just like, let's uh, let's just fucking do it. Let's do it. Go go. Everyone be crazy. And like Diablo Two Resurrected now has a whole bunch of new rune words, and they totally uh, cracked the um, uh, the assassins like martial arts abilities. So I I want to try to dabble in that. They, they literally call it the Path of Exile Amazon or uh, Assassin build. Nah, the nah, POE build. Because just chaos happens on oh the screen God. every time you do anything. Like, So I don't even have time for Diablo 4 like right now. I just I don't have time for anything. But Yeah, they're adding... The, for this beta, they're adding... Like last beta, you were able to play the Sorcerer and something else to forget. Yeah. But this one, they're adding... You can play the Druid and Necromancer. Yeah, I, I've seen tons and tons of gameplay of it and talks about the itemization and the skill tree and everything i'm i'm already sold i love diablo as a franchise so it looks really really cool i'll get around to it but i'm I'm not i'll probably play play the beta just see how it is and everything report back that's fair yeah it's kind of funny that um gauntlet dark legacy getting back to that has never been ported to any other systems i don't think midway exists anymore which it might be a major reason why it hasn't but I don't remember if THQ Nordic picked up all the licenses from Midway. If not, this would like be prime material for a company like THQ Nordic to just go out and pick up. Because this could be yeah. a game that you just drop on a download service and uh, put in some online functionality and just get some rando matches going to play through this game. Because I can't imagine it takes very long to play through. But also, it, and, and there's probably tons of different modes that would be fun to play this thing in, in sort of like a tower defense or sure. MOBA environment even. I imagine there's all kinds of fun ways you could have a game like this. Yeah. But for, for whatever reason, this game just kind of uh, evaporated mm-hmm. after the uh, the GameCube PS2 versions. Yeah. But up next, we got Sega Soccer Slam, fellas. This is a game published by Sega, developed by Black Box Games. Uh, Black Box was an indif- independent developer that was bought up by EA slightly after this game released. And they had worked on some NHL and some NASCAR games. When they got bought up by EA, they essentially just end up making uh, like Need for Speed, and occasionally they'll do like an NHL game. And I think it was in 2012 they'll get totally dissolved as a studio. And a lot of the what I was reading, a lot of the the, the major people who were working at this uh, studio end up going to work for Ubisoft. So in typical EA fashion, they bought up a studio and then just totally destroyed it. But Sega Soccer Slam itself is kind of a precursor to like a Mario Strikers, which is a game that will come out on the GameCube, I think in 2005. But it's like a three-on-three sort of soccer-ish game where there are six different teams. um, And you'll go head-to-head and play like zany, wacky soccer with... The, like, the NFL Blitz version of soccer. I was going to say, your tone sounds like you're actually kind of uh, up on this game. You know, I, I watch gameplay. You know what it reminds me of? Blitzball. Oh, oh, beautiful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the <gosh>. perfect game. <laughs> I see this is a timed exclusive as well for the GameCube. Yeah, it was. It released on the GameCube first. And, like, you know, the the review scores aren't terrible. You know, kind of like a, a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10 That'd in most places. So, pretty solidly reviewed. Uh, it comes out on the Microsoft system in August and the PlayStation in September. So, weirdly enough, PlayStation... Was last released on mobile systems in 2003. So, like, really weird to think about, like, mobile games coming out in 2003. This was before smartphones. Mm-hmm. But uh, so there, there are a couple of mini games. There's like some mini games that will allow for four players, but you're mostly doing like a player versus player. If you're doing like an exhibition, there's a a mode where like like a a, a league mode where you play ten games against the the different teams. So you, there are six teams. Team Toxic. 
Team Volta, Team Sub Zero, Team Spirit, Team Tsunami, and Team El Fuego. Tremendous. Rocks and what, what, these are these are Sykes. <laughs> uh, just tre- tremendous, tremendous names. Um, and there's a, a challenge mode that will unlock. <laughs> God damn it, Sean! What dog. the fuck is wrong with you tonight? This <laughs> is so you're nesting and then just. <laughs> Bleeding uh, out of the eyes. I don't know. Three teams that can be unlocked in oh, challenge mode. Team Robo, Team Ohm, and Team Love. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But look, they all have the the playable characters. For example, Team Sub-Zero is a team from Eastern, uh, Northeast Europe. Uh, they wear... Is this going to be like that soccer game you were talking the about? Dodgeball the dodgeball game. Oh, the dodgeball game where they're from Australia, yeah. and it's like Chester and Dingo and shit. Just some, of the, some of the members... And Team Sub Zero is a, a half pint. He's a British soccer hooligan who who God. wants to cause as much chaos. Uh, Lola, who is a German raver, and Kirill, a Russian a Russian soldier. Uh, team El Team El Fuego. <laughs> team El Fuego um, is the the team of um, kind of divided up by race, which is a little weird. But they're like the Hispanic team. They're the the Mexican wrestler El Diablo, Argentine soccer superstar Rico, and the Brazilian martial arts artist uh, Madaria. Oh God! Their home field is Jungle Canopy, located in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, so like the South and Central American teams. Oh no! Yeah, uh, team Team Toxic. Oh no! Is that just a bunch of white guys? The punk rockers. <laughs> this is the North American team. Oh, uh, Rain, who is a Canadian eco terrorist. <laughs> Duke is, of course, the American, who is a. Um, uh, hang on, uh, no, sorry. Duke is uh, just an American, like a burly American football player, like American football. No other descriptions there. He's just some generic dude. And then Nova is a young Native American. Who is also a genius? Who's trying to win the championship so he can somehow use that to aid making soccer in space possible? What a backstory, fellas! <laughs> so he joins Team Toxic with Duke and a, and Rain, the Canadian eco terrorist, so that people can play soccer in space, or as you might call it one day, blitzball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this makes me think of the uh, that comic series that Penny Arcade did. The, uh, the Paint the Line series with the ping pong balls. Mm. Team Love is a group of three girls who are clad in pink. Uh, tomboy Marla, the prissy Nadia, and the show-off Petra. They joined Sega Soccer Slam in an attempt to meet their idol, Lola, who is on the European team. Uh, what, a, what a strange game. What this, this is what video game developers think sports are like. <laughs> Just amazing. <laughs> Last up is Pac-Man World 2, which is a Namco game, of course, because Namco makes Pac-Man. This is before the Namco Bando merger, so just Namco on this one. It's a 3D platformer. I don't know why they decided that Pac-Man needed to be in a 3D platformer game, but it was, of course, a sequel. I think the first game was on the PS1. Um, no thoughts. It doesn't look particularly good. Pac-Man World, the first one, I think, just got remade on Switch several uh, months ago. Uh, I was thinking that going, no thoughts, game is perfect. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> 10 out of 10. It doesn't, doesn't need any commentary. No notes. Just watch it. Can't be improved. Uh, that was out on March 19th on the GameCube. It uh, did come out the previous month on the PlayStation 2, and will come out on the Microsoft console later in the year. Over to the GBA, fellas. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 is on the GBA. Oh, well. Yeah, the um, I think this is the the last release, like the last console this thing got released on is the the handheld version. Broken Sword: Shadow of the Templars was also out on the GBA on. And we look up the release date here on um, March fourteenth. This, if you're not familiar, is a 1996 uh, point-and-click adventure game. So kind of funny that this one got released on the GBA. I mean, we're seeing a lot of, like, Super Nintendo games getting poured over to the GBA, but this is, like, a, a static screen, kind of like if you think of, like, how Professor Layton looks, where you have, like, a, a, a layout of a screen, you kind of point and click at things on the screen to interact with them. Of course, you'd have to use the D-pad in order to, like, to move a cursor around and stuff. But, yeah, I, not the same sort of point and click adventure you would think of something like a, a Monkey Island or a Sam and Max, because it's not about... Like the jokes and 
all this uh, this human stuff, but you know, it's um, got to all the classical sort of point and click adventure style puzzles, got voice acting. This really was the era Music. for it too, like I mean, especially if you're saying that this was a game that was originally released in ninety six, that mm-hmm. was like peak yep. point and click adventure kind of games. For sure. And then there were a couple of collections for the GBA. The Konami Collector series, Arcade Advanced, was released on March 21st. That had on the GBA version um, Frogger, Scramble, Gyrus, Time Pilot, uh, Kung Fu, and Russian Attack. Not Russian as uh, in the nationality, but Rush apostrophe and so Rush and Attack. Classic title, of course. Yeah, I actually am only familiar with Frogger from this list. I don't know what any of these other games are from this collection. But there was another collection. The Atari Anniversary Collection came to the GBA, and this was also previously out on uh, Microsoft Windows, Dreamcast, and PlayStation. The GBA version had Asteroids, Battlezone, Centipede, Miss Command, Super Breakout, and Tempest, all games that were released in 1981 or earlier, from, from 79 to 81. So, so like a who's who of arcade cabinets at a pizza place. Yep, some, some old-ass games that you could get on your GBA. And, you know, GBA will be home to a lot of these sort of collections over the lifespan of the system. So, nothing too high-profile on the Nintendo front in March of 2002, uh, GBA off to a pretty good start here because we've talked about a lot of stuff in that game. GameCube outside of like the first two months, not really firing on very many cylinders here. So it is a a console that is out of the gate. Had Smash Brothers for certain as a, as a game that'll have a lot of longevity. Yeah, and not much else. I like Luigi's Mansion. I like Pikmin. Uh, Pikmin's a new IP, so it's not familiar territory, and Luigi as your launch game. Yeah, you know, should have been Mario. Luigi's Mansion could have been released exactly as is later on and would have been great, but not really putting the best foot forward. And to be fair, the PS2 wasn't exactly hot out the gates either, but the PS2 had the advantage of one being out first, um, if you don't count the Dreamcast, which we don't, and also had the built-in DVD player, so it had more functionality than just playing games. And by the time the competition, Nintendo and Microsoft had their consoles, PS2 was really firing on all cylinders. You had games of Silent Hill, Grand Theft Auto 3, Final Fantasy X, all these heavy hitters. So taking a lot of oxygen out of the room for all of these other systems. Speaking of the PS2, there are a handful of games worth mentioning well, for you that. did miss a GameCube title. Oh, go on, please. Yeah, and I don't know, this is one that's probably a forgettable one, and again, another whiff as an opportunity for a title. But 007 Age of Fire. Okay. Know? Yeah. This was a set, think of it as a sequel to GoldenEye, and you would be like, okay, a sequel to GoldenEye, this will be successful. Mm. No, it was not. Oh, that's no, a shame. Yeah. Uh, this game received very poor reviews. It was this sort of hybrid first-person shooter with some racing stuff in it. Oh, weird. Uh, there's, I kid you not, about two hours of actual gameplay. Oh, that's the entire good. story can be beat in about two hours. Um, it got absolutely raked by critics. They hated it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the idea is that maybe they just thought if they make another 007 games, it'll sell like crazy uh, because the last one was so you know well-received. And it also seems like the entire narrative was just a tack-on because they wanted to just do four-player co-op, which it did have. It had four-player co-op. So, you know, I guess they probably had a bunch of deathmatch modes and things like that, but... Uh, yeah, another another just like this should have sold five million copies. Yeah, I'm saying that it's based on the world is not enough. This one was developed by EA Redwood, of course, published by EA, so definitely not rare doing this one, which was of course the developer that did. So that's out there. Just just wanted to put that in there as a little footnote. Yeah, definitely worth at least mentioning as existing. Mm-hmm. Before the PS2, oh, and I think uh, Agent on Fire was also out on. PS2. Let me just check the release. Yeah, I was on the PS2 actually in November. So, got an early release on that system. But also on the PS2, mm-hmm. guys, Echo I remember the, games actually. Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future. It was not on my list. Defender yeah. of the Future. Yeah. I didn't know the rest of that game's name. Well, I, the original Echo the Dolphin, no subtitle. I said, yeah, I think there's okay. subtitle. It was on the Sega Genesis. This is, I think, the third question mark Echo the Dolphin game. Yeah. Uh, the Genesis had first and second game. This is the dolphin. There might have been a second Saturn. This is the dolphin that warns Ebenezer that no one will love him when he dies. Right? 
Probably. Okay. That tracks. I want to make sure I got that uh, right. The, the, the tiny the, tip is not going to live. Right. This is the, the, the Dickensian <laughs> version of Echo the Dolphin. Yes. Which, does he save Tiny Tim in that story? Yes. Tiny. He, he was able to alter the future so that Tiny Tim lives. Like how? By changing his life, it affects he, Tiny he gets, Tim. That just makes, how does that affect He gives up stupid. his insulin patent. He just kind of like throws money at Tiny Tim until he's fine. Like... Rich people live longer. That's just facts. Yeah, that's a scientific fact. No. Uh, let's see. I also got the Fatal Frame on the list. Which yeah, is, uh, we were just talking about that, weren't we? Yeah, a game and series of games that we discussed on the mini show just last week. I never shame put, on this game for not selling better. I know they right? couldn't again. They could not have picked a better time to release this, and it wasn't successful. Yeah, you you brought it up on the. Oh. When we were doing the tier ranking for this, this was the the height of you mean the deer the, ranking, the the deer ranking, yeah, uh, the, the, high, the height of J horror, height of J horror, and just this the, this very format of of horror game of like third person uh, adventure and, horror and yeah. hot on the heels of Silent Hill, mm-hmm. uh, which was out in November. So you think that people yeah. who, like then that game sold millions. You think that like people who played Silent Hill and liked it would at least like move over and say, okay, let's see what this Fatal Frame thing is all about. And it was not nearly as successful as Silent Hill. And maybe that's because it's a, a more mechanically simplistic game. Um, it doesn't have the same sort of like survival horror or adventure kind of stuff as something like a Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. But it's at least like thematically adjacent. You know, you, you could like play Final Fantasy and really like Final Fantasy and then go over and say, like, okay, well, let's see what this Fire Emblem thing is all about and at least like get something out of both of them. Yeah. But yeah, very, very strange, very unfortunate this game did not find an audience or ever found an audience. However, we are further removed from a new Silent Hill game than we are from a new Fatal Frame game. For That's some reason. Point. That this, is a good point. This series sticks around for some yeah, reason. I don't know. I don't but know. there are rumors of a new um, Silent Hill game coming out because it seems like Konami might want to start making video games again. They're going to mix the two. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Fatal. Fatal Hill. Fatal Hill. Yeah. yeah. That would work. Silent frame. Silent frame. It's gonna be just about the, the dawn of filmmaking. <laughs> uh, Ryan, got anything about Deus, Deus Ex: The Conspiracy? Uh, Deus Ex, yeah, it's a fantastic game. Um, you know, but it's a great PC game. Uh, I think that it was very inventive and fresh for the time that it came out, which I'm guessing is probably two or three years prior to this. Again, this is just a port. This is a port of the mm-hmm. PC game to the PlayStation Two. You know, and it was a game that uh, allowed you to just sort of uh, dick around in ways that other games haven't allowed you to. In the in the way that it's a, like a first-person shooter, yes, but every first-person shooter up kind of to this just sort of demanded that you go and shoot the thing in the face. And then this one, you know, there was, there was a lot to building your character and more of like a, God, almost like a D&D style tabletop role-playing game. Um, it's a game that is... To go back and play it today, it's a game that's very dense. A game that kind of game that does not explain itself in a lot of ways, and it's janky. It's a janky kind of game. It's not really tightly refined in the way that other shooters of this era were, like Quake. And the story is not as immediately and inviting and atmospheric as, say, something like um, Half Life. But God, this game is 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 really really incredible, and um, it has its devotees for sure. So if you, if you never had a way to play it, I mean, you got a PlayStation Two, I guess. Go ahead, but I mean, I think I feel like it's a it's a mouse and keyboard kind of game, personally. This is one that I'm, I'm sure is available in some format on PC, whether it's like Steam or good old games or something like that. You, oh, totally, it's got to be available. I, I own it in Steam for mm-hmm. sure. It's in Steam. Yeah. Very cool. Any other games that we need to address before we? Okay, please quite, take quite, it away, quite, and I won't be take too long here. Take Mr. Football. Mr. Mosquito. Have you guys ever heard of Mr. Mosquito? I've I not. have heard of this. Yeah, Mr. Mosquito is a voyeuristic game in which you're a mosquito in this family's house in Japan, basically, okay. and you have to go yeah, around. You pretend to be the dad, and yeah. then you you raise the kids. <laughs> no, the the idea is that it's supposed to be sort of like a stealth flight game, voiced but, by Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, no, sadly, no, no Goldblum. Um, but yeah, there is certainly a lot of sensuality, like a, a shirtless Goldblum. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Yeah, no, it would it'll literally be like a puzzle would be like uh, the teen daughter and the family's trying to sleep and you have to sneak up on her and suck her blood, you mm. know? And it's, yeah, these big open environments that you get to fly around in. And again, it, there is a stealthy thing. You don't want to, like, get to spook them because then they start trying to, like, hit you. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's it's such a fun kind of weird zany game. 
Um, I remember playing it back in the day and enjoying it, but it's it's really just kind of a kind of an oddball title. It usually makes a short list of like, you know, now games are just fucking weird, and we accept accept it. Back then, it probably was hard to actually get a company to make a quote unquote weird game to actually literally press it on a disc and sell it in a box. Mm. You know, nowadays you can just make whatever and fucking put it up online and people will play it. But Mr. Mosquito is a fun one. It is a fun one. Uh, Virtua Fighter 4 came out on the PlayStation 2. I don't really have anything to say about it other than that. It's another Virtua Fighter, and this one's really, really popular within the Virtua Fighter community. Uh, it sold like 2 million copies. Good for it. Not too shabby. Um, getting released from a multi-platform is Star Wars Jet Fighter. Oh, Jet, right. Jet, uh, Starfighter. Um, not Jet Fighter. Jedi Starfighter. But yeah, PS2, Xbox. Again, it was, uh, you know... It, it it looks really cool. It looks like a fun kind of like uh, uh, aerial combat kind of shootery space fight game. Star Fox to the punch. Yeah. Only thing is that it's built on the aesthetic of the new prequel at the time, new prequel movies. Mm. So it's not like you're in X Wings and shit. You know, people probably prefer to be in X Wings, but that's a is what it is. Uh, PlayStation One uh, Hooters Road Trip came out. Oh, gosh. I know it well. Yes. <laughs> Regarded as one of the worst games ever made. Oh, uh, come on. Yeah, no, literally there is a, there's a Wikipedia article uh, of, <laughs> quote-unquote, games titled Worst Game Ever Made, and this was this was one of them. This feels like one of those like where they would throw like a floppy disk in a, in a cereal, cereal box. box, and you would just get some random you, shit. You go to Hooters, if you order 20 wings, you get the free game. Yeah, and it was a really bad look. Basically, it's like a really unfun-looking bad racing game. Where you're just like sort of on a street and you're just like racing briefly, and then at the end of it, they just show you some pictures of Hooters babes. Like there's even for that, it's so low effort. Everyone I wonder, I wonder if those those women got paid. You one would help. Yeah, um, that's all I had for the PlayStation. Uh, but PC games, uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast comes out. This one I think will eventually make its way to consoles and possibly GameCube. Go ahead. It will make us video game too. Yeah, yeah. So, and I don't want to say too much about it because one, I'm literally like only three chapters of thirteen chapters in, and I want to talk about it more. Maybe when we actually get to its release date later in the year, we'll bring it back up again. Uh, but holy shit, this is like a fucking great, great game. This is that kind of game that delivers everything you think you would want from like a hybrid third-person, first-person shooter um, Star Wars game, like. It's so cool. It gets you like all of the fun shooter shooting stuff uh, on top of having force powers and a, and a lightsaber. Um, it's just really, really cool. It's just brutally difficult game. A very, very difficult game. And um, I don't know, just just awesome title. Uh, came out on the, the computer, which is how I'm used to playing it, or I remember playing it originally. It will be on the GameCube. It's currently on the Switch, by the way. They just actually had a sale for it. I got it for like... I want to say like 10 bucks maybe. Um, here's the thing though. The Switch version is a port of the PC version. Right. <laughs> they didn't bother to port the GameCube version. It was just as easy to put the PC one. I, I imagine it was probably easier to yeah. do a PC version. I, I guess apparently all of these... Pro probably the Steam version, which released 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so oh yeah, all of these Star Wars Jedi Knight series is available on Switch. Actually, has a pretty deep catalog of Star Star Wars games. I didn't realize that, but uh, for sure, this this one's really really fun. Um, just super very very long game and a very difficult game. Like just the sheer volume of stormtroopers you got to chew through to beat this game is absurd. Um, and I love that not only are they super inaccurate, in, which is true to the films. If you've watched them, they they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, but neither can you. These guns are like impossible. They're fucking impossible to the point where I mo like I, having played this game a bunch. I honestly most of the time just use the melee weapon, the mm -hmm. melee stun thing, and I'll just sneak up around people because again they their their aim is crap. So you can kind of just sneak up on them and jab them, and you know, nice. It's it's it's, it's great. And this game this game is a lot of fun, and it really does nail the whole Star Wars aesthetic. This one is built on the old classic mm -hmm. Star Wars. Uh, the series itself is set immediately after the events of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and this is a game that will, of course, release on PC and also release on uh, OS X for Mac, uh, and then will release on GameCube at the end of 2002, so we'll probably do more of a breakdown then. It won't release on any other systems uh, of that generation or the next one. This is a game that... Oh, no, sorry. It will also release on Xbox. For some reason, they skipped the PS2, which is weird. 
It was the most popular oh. system at the time. That's very yeah, strange. Very I don't strange. know why they would make that decision. But um, Vicarious Visions, you might recognize them, did the console version for the Microsoft console as well as the GameCube. Raven Software was a developer of the games, like the original version of the game, which is the PC and OS X version. And Raven Software, you might recognize them from games like uh, uh, Jedi Academy. They did a couple of Star Wars games. They also remade Call of Duty Modern Warfare uh, 4. Uh, Call of Duty Online, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. So they've known their way around uh, some well, like first-person shooters. Vicarious sure. Visions, they're the ones that did Diablo Resurrected. They're the mm-hmm. ones that did the remake of D2. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at a, uh, a list of games with Raven Software because they sounded familiar, and I thought... I, I instantly recognized that logo. Yeah, I know I've seen Raven other games. Yeah, it, here's what I know them from. X-Men Legends 1 and 2. <sighs> God, hell yeah. yeah, dude. X-Men Legends is for real. I'm really looking forward to talking about those games, because, mm-hmm. yeah, those are tremendous. Yeah. That's what I know Raven Software from. Uh, what else we got for games? Well, since you brought up X-Men Legends, here's a game of interest. I don't know if you guys have ever played Freedom Force. No, I haven't played that one. Imagine if XCOM and X-Men Legends had a baby. Okay. It, it would be Freedom Force. Um, it is a turn-based, like, third-person view, isometric team superhero brawler interesting um, which had fully destructible environments was it like a license like superhero team or was it just as I understand yes Freedom Force is a comic series but it's not like I don't think it's a mainline like Marvel DC kind of comic I think it's like one of those like 50s style one of the guys in the office his kid had a couple of comics that he made so so Freedom Force is a thing that exists in Marvel comics in like in the 80s but Freedom Force is there like a Minuteman guy in it who has like the tricorder hat and like looks like Mr. America no no this must be someone else because Freedom Force in Marvel comics is is actually something uh, we all know the Brotherhood of, of Mutants, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, as they were known in the 60s and the 70s. So they were originally led by Magneto. Magneto is removed from the landscape a couple of different times for one reason or another, and actually the Brotherhood of Mutants is reformed by Mystique. And they become Brotherhood of Misunderstood Mutants. They're still the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and of oh. course it's, it's the one you recognize from the animated TV show. It's got Pyro, it's got Avalanche, it's got Blob. It's, it's the ones yeah. that you, you know. Eventually... What Mystique ends up doing with that team is they go to work for the U.S. government as this sort of police force. Like, we are going out there to arrest mutants and bring them into the custody of the U.S. government. They're kind of like the the, uh, Uncle Tom uh, mutant squad. And uh, they, they bring in some new members. I don't think Blob is part of the team at that point, but they are Freedom Force when they're working for the U.S. government. The Brotherhood of oh, Evil Mutants okay. becomes Freedom Force. But that's probably not what this game is. Okay, so I think maybe they actually had a, a real-time tie-in. This was not an old series. It's just made to look like an old series. Hmm. It was made by Image Comics. Okay. So Image Comics, I guess, are the ones behind it. But yeah, like I was saying, the, you know, the main guy is the, is Minuteman, and he has he looks like a colonial revolutionary soldier. And yeah, I mean, there's there's like nothing about this ties into anything Marvel. It's probably just that Freedom Force is a fairly generic name for mm-hmm. a group of fighters. But yeah, so that's that's the idea, right? They all have superpowers. It's all like kind of point and click, or not not point and click, but you like you select the character, their move, and their action and stuff like that. You got to go around and beat up the bad guys and save. Save the people and, you know, kind of achieve the objectives throughout the thing. You know, very standard superhero-y kind of stuff. Really fun game. I enjoyed it a lot. The only thing that's kind of interesting is that, you know, um, it's not real time. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to sit there and think about it strategically. That's okay. I, I think, like, a X-Men, XCOM game would be really cool. Yeah, it, is, it very much is that. It's, it's a very cool game. I remember playing it a bunch back in the day. Also, I did not play the game, but Dungeon Siege came out. Another one that people really, really like. It is, again, another one that's sort of this hybrid um, dungeon crawler RPG with, like, a team strategy building thing. Another successful one that sold, like, 2 million copies. Has great reviews. One of the best-reviewed games of the year. Um, Again, at this point in my life, as we literally just talked about it a minute ago, I'm into Diablo. Diablo is my game for this kind of thing. So I don't play Dungeon Siege. Mm. But there it is. Very popular game. So we think that Star Wars Game of the Month... Is that what it is? Yeah, this this Star Wars game is so so good. I would absolutely recommend people play it. 
Well, let's sort these GameCube games into our rankings. Uh, going from the bottom up for our GameCube rankings, we've got Cell Damage, Tony Hawk 3, Simpsons Road Rage, Wave Race Blue Storm, Super Monkey Ball, NBA Street, Sonic Advance 2, SSX Tricky, Luigi's Mansion Pikmin, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2, and Smash at number 1. I don't think any of these games are breaking the top 5 for sure. Mm -hmm. um, unless you guys have any objections, because none of us have really played very many of these games outside of Gauntlet. I want to put Gauntlet um, at or around Sonic Advance 2. I'm cool with that. That is fine by me. Okay, let's, let's, let's slide in Gauntlet at number 7 here. Mm -hmm. And Sega Soccer Slam, I, I think it kind of belongs near NBA Street Volume 1, which is number 8 right now. Uh, what do you guys think? Above or below Super Monkey Ball? We're doing this very scientifically. This mm. is the definitive ranking. I, I honestly think we can lean on you for the definitive rankings, but personally, I don't know. I think beneath Monkey Ball. Let's put... Sega Soccer Slam down at number 11 out of the top 10. And Pac-Man World 2, um, I think that one's even below Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. So that one's sliding in at number 14. And then 007 Agent Under Fire. Is that above or below cell damage? Is this the worst game or slightly not the worst game so far? This one was really brutally reviewed. I think it's probably the worst. All right. Also, you got to factor in the, the that it's a letdown of a game. All right, works yeah, for me. Would you put it above or below Turok? Uh, Turok's the worst mm. game ever made. <laughs> yeah, Turok is pretty bad. Like I, I would rather play that Hooters game yeah. than Turok. <laughs> all right, very good. So we got our rankings all filled in. The top five didn't change. I don't think there's any reason to go through these again. So, why don't we take a break and then come back with uh, the rest of the pop culture stuff from the movies and the music from 2002. All right, let's do it. 